Well, again, if you would, uh, take out your Bibles and let's turn for our New Testament reading to Ephesians chapter 3. We'll be looking today at verses 1 through 6. Again, this is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive, perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Thus far, the reading of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reading of your word. We thank you for the worship which we are enjoying before you. And we pray, Father, that you would... Be with this, your servant. We pray, God, that for our understanding of your word as we study the mystery of Christ and the unity which you have created among people. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us, I'm sure, have had the experience of reading a novel or watching a movie and then uh, as you've gone through the story, being surprised by how it ends up. Uh, perhaps there's a, a plot twist which changes the direction of the whole story. And so you get to the end, and you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. But when you go back and you reread the book or you rewatch the movie, you begin to notice clues the second time through, things that you missed that are leading to the conclusion where you end up. When you know the story, you know where the story ends, you don't, you're not as surprised. You, you picked up on all of the clues as it unfolded. In a sense, this illustrates what we're looking at today. In our text, Paul is discussing a mystery a mystery which has existed throughout redemptive history and which has been revealed in the scriptures, but which had also been obscured or not fully understood throughout redemptive history. This mystery, Paul says, has now been revealed. Namely, that the Gentiles have full inclusion in the covenant promises of God. This mystery has been revealed to Paul by the Spirit. And thus, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul is then able to share this with us. But this mystery can be seen in the scriptures of the Old Testament as well. And when we go back, when we look at this, we see the truth there. Because of God's unfolding revelation. There are things which had been concealed in the Old, 
but have been now revealed in the new. Now the reason that Paul brings all of this up is because what he's been teaching about is actually unity. He's been teaching about the the unity of God's people. This is what we had looked at last week. Our union with Christ, our Savior, also means that we have unity with one another as followers of Jesus. There were some in Paul's day who did not see a unity between the Jews and the Gentiles. They had not understood the unfolding of the mystery. This is perhaps particularly true among the so-called Judaizers who try to make Christians follow, uh, follow certain Jewish customs. But the unity of the church is not found in ethnic background or in following certain ceremonies or customs, but unity, true Christian unity, is rooted in our common faith in Jesus Christ. It is through Christ that the stranger is brought near. It is through Christ that we're being built together into a dwelling place for God. So Paul is pointing out that God has revealed this truth to the apostles and to the prophets throughout the New Covenant. Because of these truths, Paul is thankful. He is thankful for the faith of the Gentiles, which then leads to their inclusion into the kingdom. And of course, as we've seen, faith is a gift from God. Previously, they were far off, they were aliens, they were strangers to the promises But now they've been brought near, they've been justified by grace through faith in Jesus. And the Gentiles, these members of the other nations, that would be us, are equal inheritors with the believing Jews in in all the promises made to the patriarchs. Both people having been purchased by the blood of Christ on the cross. And so they become one people, being built together into a spiritual temple, resting on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and being held together, being fit together by Christ. Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And so as Paul is reflecting on these truths which he has written about, he begins to say that for this reason he bows his knee, which is what he actually ends up saying in verse 14. But before he gets there, he begins to speak in this way, as is often the case, he interrupts himself. You'll find Paul will do this. Uh, he, He has one thought, and then he interrupts himself to talk about something else, but he'll return again to his main thought in verse 14. So as Paul is considering this marvelous salvation which God has brought about in Christ, the, the redemption of men from sin, the unity which we enjoy in the Holy Spirit, the reconciliation of God in men, and the fact that God has chosen to dwell with His people that the lost and the hopeless and the damned are now partakers of redemption by faith in Christ. All of these, these glorious truths which causes Paul and causes us to, to give praise to God, to bend the knee in awe of God's glorious grace. This is where Paul is headed in his teaching. But he stops. 
And he considers that perhaps not all have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which had been given to him. And so at this point, Paul was a prisoner. But he stresses that he's a prisoner for the purpose of Christ. He's, He's a prisoner for the purpose of Christ on their behalf. Paul served at the pleasure of the king for the benefit of the people whom God had given him to minister to. And so Paul is thankful for what God has done in Christ for all the nations. And this is the basis for his ministry as he is, was called the apostle to the Gentiles. But he doesn't assume that his readers know about his call by God. He was a servant of Christ for their benefit, to bring the gospel of God's free grace to them. This was the purpose for his apostolic office. And so what we're looking at today really is sort of a parenthesis. It's it's an aside as Paul interrupts himself, as he explains the purpose of his ministry to them. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was called to be a steward of God's grace. Now, the word stewardship we see in verse 2, oikonia, literally means house law. And it's actually where we derive the word economics from. It's generally used in connection with an administration or with responsibility. Hence, the translation here of stewardship. As a minister of the gospel and as an apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul was a steward of the good news. Paul's apostolic office was given to him by Christ himself. He makes this very clear in Galatians chapter 1. And in verse 1 where it says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. You see, Paul had a very high view of the office of minister. And particularly, particularly at the special office of apostle. And he held that he was a messenger of Christ and the unmerited kindness of God towards those who believed. He was a steward of these truths. In this way, he always spoke of his office with gratitude and with humility. The, the very privilege of preaching the unsearchable and magnificent riches of the glories of Christ was to him a tremendous honor. And it should be for anyone who is privileged to preach the gospel. And Paul had been appointed by God to be a witness of the things which he had seen, which had been revealed to him. And we have to keep in mind that Paul was himself an eyewitness of the risen Lord. He witnessed the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. And God had revealed his word to him. He had given him the stewardship of the gospel, Paul says, for you. That is to say, that he was made an apostle of Jesus Christ for the benefit of God's people, namely the Gentiles. And the stewardship he was given was of God's grace. It was specifically of a mystery. Uh, Verse 3 says, How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. 
to the knowledge of the gospel, the unity of the Jews and the Gentiles was made known by Christ himself. Paul hadn't received this information from others. He hadn't been taught by other men. He had received the truth from Jesus directly. And which had, he had written about briefly, which in saying that, it's not that there's another letter. What he's referring to is the things he's already written in chapters 1 and 2. In fact, the Ephesians, as they read this letter, Paul says, You can perceive my insights into the mystery of Christ. In, in reading the letter, in reading what Paul has written, you can understand his insights. This is what he's sharing. He wants you, to, you and I to understand the mystery of Christ. The writings of Paul, particularly in light of all, all the rest of Scripture, are the evidence of his knowledge and of his insights into this mystery. You see, Christ himself is the great mystery of godliness. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. He is the second person of the Godhead. He is the Son of God. Consider for a moment the full deity and full humanity of our Lord. How can this be? This is the great mystery that is difficult for our minds to get around. Consider as well the secret purposes of God, which had been hidden for ages, but which have now been revealed. Everything which Paul had just written concerning the call of the Gentiles into an estate of salvation, God's plan of redemption, the Gentiles' inclusion into this plan as fellow saints and citizens in the heavenly kingdom, their adoption into the family of God, their full inclusion into the inheritance of God's people, all of these things, all of these things Paul includes into the mystery of Christ. Paul puts it more succinctly in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. The mystery, he says, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the, the fullness of the good news of the gospel. Our special relationship to Christ our Lord and the mystical union which we have with Him. This is the mystery of Christ. The fact that God took a people who were not His people, rebels, guilty sinners, and made them to be His people through the Son of God, the Lamb of God. Who was himself the sacrifice for sin. Who then has opened the new and living way through the curtain. Ushering the Gentiles and the Jews into the Holy of Holies. What, mystery, what a wonderful mystery has been revealed. It's been done by faith. What a seeming plot twist in a sense. The saints in the Old Covenant did not have full knowledge of these things. They didn't fully understand the mind and plans of God concerning the salvation of the nations. These things were not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets of the Spirit, Paul says. It wasn't clear to those in the old on the one hand, and yet it was known that God would bless the nations. Consider for a moment the promise made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. 
Where he says, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and the sand that is in the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Paul references this passage in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8 when he discusses the fact that Gentiles should be justified by faith. So it's not that Paul is giving new information. He's saying that previously these insights were not known or were not understood. Yet the understanding of the blessings which would come to the Gentile nations in Christ, was, which was promised through Abraham, this was obscured in some way. There were hints, for sure, but it had not been fully revealed with clarity until the time of the apostles by the Holy Spirit. Now at this point you might be thinking, well how could something that is so clear to us, you know, as we go back and read the Old Testament, it's just right there. How could this have been so obscure to people? How could they have not gotten it? Well imagine for a moment driving. And there's a sign which says there's a bridge which is closed. And there's a detour. But the sign was obscured in some way, and so you missed the sign. You might continue down the road, you know, happily on your way. And if you go a few miles, and then you discover the truth, the bridge is closed. And you need to turn around and go back. I'm speaking from personal experience. Now, the sign was there. It's not that there wasn't a sign. It was there. The sign was there. When you go back, you're like, oh, there's a sign. Just totally missed that. Now, it was a brief sign. It was maybe perhaps uh, obscured by some trees. And it may, have only, it may have only been the only sign, but there was a sign, and you just missed it. Just missed the sign. Well, there were multiple signs in the Old Testament. Multiple, not just one sign, multiple signs, which pointed to Gentile inclusion. And consider the name given to the one of the most important patriarchs, Abraham. He is, he is called the father of nations. And through him, all nations would be blessed. Or consider Psalm 86, verse 9, which says, All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. All the nations were to worship the Lord. And there are many, many places which speak of the nations, speak of the Gentiles coming and worshiping the one true God. That the, blessing, the blessings of Abraham would be upon them. So there were signs, to be sure, many signs, but they were, in some sense, obscured or, or misunderstood or simply missed. The spiritual insights revealed in the New Covenant were not known to the covenant people of old. They didn't understand that the blessings would come, would be full justification, full adoption into the family covenant for Gentiles. Full inclusion into the promises. Previous, previous generations didn't fully grasp this. But God has now revealed it to them clearly. 
And so the point is this, God had given Paul and to the other apostles spiritual insights into the mysteries of Christ, which is the gospel. And those insights have been recorded for us in the Word of God for our understanding, for our edification, and for our spiritual growth. What had been previously unknown is now known. Which was previously misunderstood is now understandable. In fact, this is precisely the reason Paul, by God's grace, had been called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. As has already been stated, he had been called to be a steward of these truths. And so he's able to teach the Ephesians and to teach us so that we too can understand these truths. Now there were some in in Paul's day who wanted to challenge the authenticity of what he wrote. But we know what he wrote is true in God's Word in part because it agrees with other portions of Scripture, namely the other apostles and the Old Testament. In other words, Paul, Paul wasn't being innovative. Paul taught what Jesus taught. He taught what the other apostles taught, who also were teaching what Jesus taught. There's a strange movement in our own day of, of Christians who call themselves red-letter Christians. Like, well, only the words of Jesus are authoritative, as if things that Paul wrote, like, ah, you can kind of take it or leave it. That's nonsense. There's nothing that Paul teaches that isn't what Jesus as well. In fact, what does Paul remind us? All the apostles, all the apostles were taught directly by Jesus Himself. So all of the scriptures are God's word. There's not some particular salvation theory which is Pauline and somehow different or contrary to say uh, John or Peter or even Christ. No, they, they all teach the same truths. This is a point which some in our day in mainline or liberal churches don't seem to understand. The gospel, Paul's gospel, was no different from any other apostles, nor was it different than the gospel of Christ. His gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul preached the same gospel which was proclaimed throughout all of Scripture, old and new. It's the same gospel. It's the same gospel which was preached to Abraham. Salvation is by faith. And this hasn't changed, even though we have more insights now that previous generations didn't comprehend. That faith can be operational outside the Jewish people and outside of the promised land. And so what had been previously hidden or obscured in understanding is now brought to light in in understandable. The mystery to which Paul had spiritual insights, and now he wants his readers to know as well. We see this in verse 6. This is where he finally kind of gets to the heart of it. That the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And see, the Jews were God's chosen people through whom he had first worked, specifically to bring about the Messiah. First calling Abraham out from among the pagan people in Ur, the Chaldeans. Bringing forth Isaac, working through Jacob, the younger of Isaac's sons. 
God then established them as a nation, rescuing them out of bondage in Egypt. He then gave them the law and the promises, namely the promise of the Redeemer, who would come and save His people from their sins. The Jews were God's covenant people through whom He would have been pleased to work. But one was not part of Israel solely based on ethnic background. True Israel is not by blood, but by faith. No longer were the Jews to be understood solely as God's chosen people, but the other nations, the Gentiles, they were now included as fellow heirs in Christ, members of the same body, partakers of the same promises in Christ through the gospel. The good news that sinners were redeemed through the blood of Jesus. All those who have faith in Christ have a right to the inheritance promised in the Scriptures. The benefits of the covenant of grace, knowledge of the truth, all the privileges of justification, adoption, and sanctification, the indwelling Holy Spirit, and everlasting life and glory. Now understand that this idea of Gentile sharing and the promises equal with the Jews was considered by some to be this radical notion. There are even some in our own day who think this is a radical notion. But it must be stressed that it's not simply it's simply not the case that Jews and Gentiles have, have like separate tracks of salvation. As if the Jews are saved by the the law and by ceremony and and Gentiles by faith in the gospel. Believing Jews and believing Gentiles had undergone a complete fusion. The Christian Jew and the Christian Gentile are one people in Christ without distinction. And this truth, beloved congregation, applies not only to the Jew and to the Greek but to the African, to the European, to the Asian, all people who by faith trust and rest in Christ are one people. There are no special classes of Christians. And we need to keep this in mind, particularly as when we do foreign missions, or when we work with the poor and the downtrodden. It is very easy for the American church to overwhelm the church and say a, a poor nation like in Haiti or, or any, any of the churches in African nations. Because, because we think we know better. There's not separate classes of Christians. God's house has many rooms which will be filled with many various people who all will be sons. And we will be together as brothers in Christ. If you're in the kingdom, then you're in the family. You're a son. You're an heir. You are an inheritor of the eternal kingdom in the King, Christ Jesus. You have a share and eternal interest equally together as one people. The Gentiles, Paul says, are fellow heirs on account of their union with Christ. Union with Christ is the only essential, indispensable condition of participation in the benefits of redemption. You and I are fellow heirs in the same body, partakers of the same promise. Paul says we're in Christ, which is to say we're in union with Him. He is our King and our Head. We, We are united to Him by faith. 
faith in Jesus Christ. He is our Redeemer. He is our Lord. He is our King. And so the mystery which has been obscured for ages now is known. This is made known as a display of God's wisdom. And Paul was a preacher of that good news. And we'll see more on that next time. One of the wonders of redemptive history is that as you move through it, you can detect an increasing level of understanding. And more light is shed. There's, there's an unraveling, if you will. This is what we might, we might call this progressive revelation, where more and more as we read through the Scriptures, more and more light is revealed as we understand more of the truth. All of redemptive history from creation onward was leading ultimately to the cross of Jesus Christ. The revelation of God's word in the Old Testament to the Old Testament prophets, which spoke in types and shadows, was leading us forward to the one, the Redeemer who would come. And so as you and I look back at scripture over the scriptures, as we as we begin in the book of Genesis, as we where we, we can see clearly, we can begin to see where this is headed. We know where the story is headed because, well, we know how the story ends, right? I've already seen this movie. I know how this is going to go. But we can see that revelation begin. And it's kind of a neat thing to do as you read back in the Old Testament. You begin to be able to see those connections where God was heading. God has shed more and more light on His truth so that you and I can go back and we can see how all of these things fit together. It's not that God changed his mind or that he was reacting to the situation. No, God had one plan, one plan which was unfolding throughout scriptures, culminating in the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Old Testament saints did not necessarily perceive from the scriptures that the other nations would be part of that special relationship as well. The signs were there to be sure, but they did not fully understand. And so you and I, we need to refrain from standing in judgment over the Old Testament saints. For were it not for God's revelation, you and I wouldn't understand either. And there's one other thing, too, we need to understand, and that is that we have our own blind spots. We have our own areas which we don't understand And there are mysteries yet to be revealed when Christ returns. So we we, we need to be careful. It's very easy to stand in, in perhaps, uh, perhaps you've done this as you read, particularly the Exodus account, right? Oh, those people. How could they be so foolish? Beloved, look at your own life, (laughs) right? Sometimes we're like the wandering Israelites, complaining and grumbling as God is blessing us. So be careful. You and I in the New Covenant have great benefits in understanding. God has revealed to us through His Word, through His Spirit, all that is needed for life and godliness. You can know Christ. You can know the promises that is for all His people who repent and believe. And you can rest in His promises now and always. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for...
revealing through your apostles the mysteries of Christ. We thank you that you have called Paul and the other apostles to a stewardship which is recorded for us in Scripture. And we pray that we ourselves may be good stewards of your grace as we proclaim to the nations, as we proclaim the gospel to our neighbors. May we be good stewards of the truth which has been revealed by your word and your spirit. May we speak your truth. May we do so joyfully. We pray that through your church, many would come to a saving knowledge of Christ and many more would be included into these promises. Oh, that we would be good stewards of your grace. And Father, we pray that we ourselves may rest in these promises, that we would not be a people seeking somehow to to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, as it were. That we would be a people at rest in our Savior, who does all things well. We praise you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.